uh, we'll call the meeting to order. Uh, to uh, roll call. Uh, Pretorius? Here. Carlson? Here. Russo? Here. Chillis and Parker? Do I need to do the opening statement in this scenario? I don't think so, because we don't have a case. Okay, perfect, great. So then we're gonna go ahead and just present uh, item number three, the Board of Adjustment Training. So take it away, Kirk and Sue. <laughs> Sounds good. So really, we're just kind of mirroring what we did last year with this, where we kind of talked a little bit about background to remind everyone, you know, what the board is. I'm gonna kind of fly through that since it's still relatively fresh for a lot of you, especially Nancy and Mark, uh, who got this, at least the first part of this presentation pretty much uh, when you started a couple months ago. So um, other than that, we're looking at sample language, what to do, what not to do, and then some case examples and time for questions. Uh, Nancy did submit a couple topics that she wanted us to cover. So we tried to integrate that into the presentation. Uh, and otherwise, I will just start sharing my screen, kind of talking through, uh, you know, what we're hoping to cover today. So, as you know, Board of Adjustment is mandated by law as a five-member panel uh, appointed by City Council. Uh, you're quasi-judicial, so basically you act as a jury of peers for specific situations as enumerated in the code. Uh, that also includes uh, if there are waivers from the zoning code, um, chair provides over meeting or presides over meetings, um, and staff assists by providing background, standards, recommendations uh, to try and help you with your decision and any possible conditions that might make sense uh, to make something like this work. Uh, again, because you are uh, quasi-judicial, if there is an appeal of your decision, it goes to the court, it never goes before city council. But you're, you're basically an extra layer of scrutiny above staff, but below legislative decisions made by council. In terms of the cases that you see, um, and this is probably more helpful for Nancy and Mark, now that you've actually seen a couple of different cases and how these might play out, there's special exceptions, which are explicitly enumerated in code. Um, so there are two kinds, some which are related to uses, where certain uses are only allowed by special exception, uh, and some are related to standards, such as setbacks, um, where it's flexibility provided if, if certain criteria are met, essentially. Uh, there's also two additional ones that are a lot more rare. So variance means that it's something that's not listed in the code that they're asking for flexibility from. Uh, there's a chance that that we will likely be updating our code as it relates to variances because variances are pretty strictly determined by state law and our code doesn't exactly match that. Uh, so we'll probably let you know when, when that happens. Um, but the chances of you seeing variances are relatively slim because those, those that bar is so high. Uh, and then appeals, if there's a decision that staff has made, uh, then that comes before you to make a decision on. And again, act as that jury. In terms of process, you know, overall, you've kind of seen this in the last couple applications, and Amy's seen it over the last couple of years at this point. Um, but really, it comes down to there's an application that's made, staff reviews it, and uh, 
informs the public about it. So we put a sign on the property, we send letters to neighboring property owners, uh, we publish a hearing notice in the newspaper, and then there's a public hearing and comment held by you. Uh, comments come to me. If I get them prior to the packet, I include them in the packet. If I get them after, I send them to you uh, prior to it, and then I'll mention them in my staff uh, presentation as well. Um, another change that you might be seeing coming up sometime this summer, uh, we are looking to expand the radius that we mail uh, notice letters to. So right now that is 300 feet. Um, council has indicated a desire to expand that to around 500 feet, I believe is the new radius. Um, we'll talk about that more in the future, but just to give you a heads up about some things that are coming down the pike. Uh, in the public hearing, the board makes a decision. Um, you require three votes to approve it. And if it's approved, or the, whatever the application is, move forward. If it's denied, then they get uh, stuck in their tracks. Uh, but you do have the, the power to also approve with conditions. Um, again, staff recommends conditions, but you can add or subtract them as you see fit uh, based on you know, what the factors are that you're considering for that application. Again, appeals go to courts. Uh, and then with meeting process, uh, I'll let Sue take over here um, and talk a bit more about how that works. Yeah, as Kirk said, we've all, Amy, quite a bit of them, but um, now that you and Mark uh, and Nancy have seen a couple of two, so we do follow the, the same uh, order, uh, especially with special exceptions. The appeals are a little, little bit different, but the special exceptions is the chair explains to the public and everybody else what the item is, and then they open the public hearing, and, it, and the public hearing is really important because that's where you as a board are gathering all your information. You get some information written ahead of time, but that's where you hear from people who are opposed to it, people who are in favor of it, what staff thinks. In that, and that's your opportunity to gather that information because once the chair closes that public hearing, you don't have an opportunity to gather more information. Um, and there will come a time where you're kind of going, I need a little bit more information. I wonder if the city engineer can talk about this or can the applicant provide us information with that? I really think I need that before I can make a decision. You keep the public hearing open and you move it, you defer the, uh, the application to the next meeting and then, they, uh, then you uh, hear whatever it is that other additional information is brought to you and then the hearing is closed. So that's the very important thing is, is if you need more information or you want more information, it has to be done uh, while the public hearing is, is open. And, uh, and it's not a time for you folks to start discussing what you think or what you think is stronger or what is weaker or what's missing. But you, could, you can ask questions because that's the time you need to gather, but not to talk with each other, but to, uh, to gather information. Uh, but again, usually it'll start with staff and a special exception will be Kirk in almost every situation. The applicant sometimes wants to offer um, um, some additional information. And then we usually go anybody who's uh, speaking in favor of the application. And then the board can ask questions. Um, and then anybody opposed, again, the board can ask questions. And then at some point, again, the public hearing is, is closed. And then someone other than um, the chair moves the application. You might not even agree 
that you, you think you're going to vote for, but somebody has to move it just so it can be discussed. And so there's a, a motion to approve the application in a second that simply puts it on the table. And then you folks begin your deliberation and your discussion. Um, and you can you go through all the, the standards. And again, sometimes it's one standard that's really holding you up or it's a, it's a routine matter and it's easy um, um, and with or without conditions. Um, so, so if you don't get three votes in favor, then, uh, then, uh, then the, it, it, it dies. So I know one of the questions was, when is it appropriate to ask a question? Uh, when you need to ask the question during the public hearing, because you can't get information back unless it's during the public hearing. But within that public hearing, you know, usually maybe when the speaker is done or, uh, or close to being done, but at any point in time, but it's gotta be during the public hearing. Um, anybody have any questions on that? Or I don't mean to go too fast or too slowly. Kirk, you think you need anything elaborated on on, on that? Not what I don't think so. This was one of your questions, Nancy. I'm not sure if you're trying to talk. We're just getting some feedback from you. Okay, so basically you, your question should be about uh, clarification or if you need more information, would you say those are the types of questions that you need to ask? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And well, go okay. ahead. You go ahead. And I was going to say, or if there's more information that you think is needed and you don't get that as a clarification, then that's where, you know, at the end, usually Amy asks, you know, is there any more information that we think we need? Are we comfortable closing the hearing? Um, I guess that's kind of your next question that you have here. Um, if you don't feel like you have enough information to make a decision, what's the process for keeping it going? Usually Amy will ask, you know, are we comfortable closing the hearing? If not, then you want to make sure that that is when you decide to defer so that we can get more information to you as part of the public hearing. Okay. Well, if that's the case, you know, you need three people to vote to defer the application. And then it just maintains that public hearing until, until the next meeting. Uh, and I, I even think Amy doesn't have to restart that. I've, I've never been part of a an application where it's been deferred fully usually we have sufficient information but yeah every once in a while it will happen and not not very often but it has happened and then so at the beginning of the meeting then the chair would just say you know the, the public hearing has remained open from the last meeting and for the purpose of x and y and going to again but that decision would be made before the public hearing is closed or after the public hearing is closed. The question would be during the public hearing. Right. And but the, would, and but the, then would that be when, would you bring that up afterwards when, you, when the members of the board are discussing it and saying that I'm con I have a concern about this and does anybody else? Not if the concern is about needing more information. If, the, if needing more information, you need to have that discussion before the public hearing is closed. Okay. And, and usually that discussion is, it's not saying, 
I have a concern about a specific issue necessarily. Usually when you're talking about your specific feelings about a criteria or about more information that's needed, I would say you would have that sort of stuff afterwards. But really what you're saying is, you know, I as a board member feel like I think I need some additional information. Um, we would like to hear from X, Y, and Z that didn't seem to talk about this or they didn't talk about that. You know, do other board members support deferring the closing of the hearing? I think that's how it would go, right, Sue? Mm -hmm. uh, may I ask you a question? If, if the, um, if the uh, public hearing is um, deferred or extended or whatever the term is, are the are the board members subject to any additional protocols? I mean, what, what's your, what, what happens there? I mean, you're waiting a month. Is there and, a and it need not be a month. I mean, you could schedule a special meeting, you know, a few days later. Uh, but until that next meeting, you can't talk to anybody. You can't um, talk to each other. Right. Yeah, it would be similar to the jury, you know, between days in a case, you just wouldn't want to somehow invalidate your opinion on it, I guess is what I would say. And much like a judge admonishes the jury, I, I'd remind everybody, please don't run into each other at Hy-Vee or at a coffee shop. Please don't talk about it. Please don't talk to members of the public about it. Yep. Um, for deferment to occur, we're going to need someone then other than myself to for sure motion for the deferment. They'll need a second and then right. take it to a vote. Yes. Perfect. Would you say that again, Amy? Yeah, so I was just confirming that if, if we do sense that there's someone who's talking about wanting to defer it, if we are missing information, then another uh, board member other than myself will have to motion for the deferment, and then another board member would have to second, and then it would go to a vote if we were going to defer the item or not. Okay. Yep, like any other case that would come up. Thank you. And Kirk and I would help you with 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 that process. Yeah. Okay. So, any more questions about meeting process? After this, we'll kind of move into sample language and what that looks like. I guess I have a question. We're talking about the actual uh, movement of the board and Robert's rules and all that happy jazz. So, I know there's some question out there as far as. Especially the chair position. Do I get to be involved in discussion? Do I get to ask questions? I know I have limitations regarding uh, motioning, seconding, those kinds of things. But do I need to wait to be the last person to have a a, a comment or? Nope. But it's your prerogative to do that. Okay. Much yeah. like the mayor often will will wait. Um, yeah. Doesn't have to. Just because you're controlling the meeting, so that's why you can decide uh, when you want to talk. Yeah. It may be good practice. I, I understand the, the thought process behind it is in case somebody actually does look to me as an authority figure, I don't want to skew opinions by speaking for in case, not that that's actually going to fit what's happening here, but if it was, maybe it's a good practice that I wait till everybody else is done speaking. Yeah. And in, and in terms of questions, 
you know, the reason that you're asking for clarifications or, or additional insight, additional information, um, and not saying, you know, hey, I think this, what do you think about that? Like, that's, that's probably not the sort of, it's not really a conversation per se. It's more, you are trying to get additional information in the hearing and be like crossing a, a witness in a court case, kind of. I mean, if, if we're going to continue that analogy, which I mean, fits kind of like that. It's not, not as much, you know, you sharing your opinion because your opinion comes out during the discussion when you're saying, I think this is on, I think that this is off. These are concerns. Um, okay. And we can always, of course, come back to questions. I'm sure that more things will get brought up as we keep going, but we'll move into sample language. So we have, you know, some cheat sheets that we've sent out in the past. I believe I included it in this packet uh, mm -hmm. that kind of help you construct how you say things. It can be a little abstract when you see it like this, but really what you're, for findings, adding changing findings of fact or adding and changing conditions, um, it's a little abstract like this. So I went ahead and filled in you know, what it might look like in an actual example rather than the, the abstract way that we have it phrased in the materials we provided. So, for example, if you want to change findings of fact, you disagree with something, a finding that staff has made in the staff report, for example, you could say, you know, regarding, it doesn't have to be exactly like this either, but as long as you kind of get the gist of it, then it's fine. You know, regarding item, EXC 21-0049, I concur with the findings set forth in the staff report uh, of June 30th, 2021, except for the finding that, let's say, the proposed use will not be detrimental to neighboring properties because the applicant has not proposed buffering to mitigate the impact. So that might be some sort of finding that you would want to see, and then you'll come back and say how you would want that changed. So, you know, as such, I recommend the board adopt the findings uh, for approval with the following changes. Etc. It is detrimental, or I recommend the board adopt the finding in the staff report with the following changes of it will not be detrimental to neighboring properties with the conditions that the applicant provide buffers. So either you're you're saying I disagree, that probably means that you're going to vote against a given application because it doesn't meet that criteria, or you're saying I will approve it, but it needs a condition that will kind of fix whatever the, the thing that was missing before. So kind of two approaches. I'm not sure if that's super clear because anytime you're using kind of the, the language of, of these findings, it can be somewhat complicated. But, you know, do, does that make more sense in terms of, of how we see these things working? Really, in a nutshell, you're calling out the thing that you disagree with and you're saying, this is what it should be instead. And Sue, you might be able to better explain. Yeah, that. I mean, because you have certain factual findings with each standard and quite frankly, 98% of the time, no one's going to dispute those. It's usually going to be just one issue that someone's going to have, be it a member of the public or a board. So there's no reason really to go into all the findings and go with this standard, I, I find, fine, 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 fine. With this standard, I find, fine, fine. That's why you just kind of by default say, I'm okay with the staff's findings, except 
it's much easier to do it that way. And then just call out that one, whatever it is, this particular standard to me has not been met. I, I know what staff has said, but I disagree uh, because of X and Y. Or I agree it can be met, but it, it, it can only be met if we add a, a condition. We add the condition that you have to put in some buffer, or you have to add some trees, or you have to do some lighting, or whatever it, it is. So that's why we kind of always default to the, to the staff's report for the findings. Otherwise, you'd be there and have to find your own findings and agree with them and call them out for the record. And as I said, quite frankly, 95% plus are usually agreed to even when there's a reversal or um, somebody's really unhappy. Uh, so that's that's why we defer we default back to the to the board's findings and just call out the particular matter or the issue that uh, you're having. Does, does that kind of make sense, folks? So by saying that, so by saying I recommend that the board adopt the findings and with the font with approval of the proposal, then it can go ahead and go through the board and be approved. Yeah, without any changes. That's right. You're just going to say, I've heard what Kirk has had to say. I've heard what the public has had to say. And I agree with Kirk's staff report. Those are my findings as well. But what if you, if you have a disagreement with one of those things? That's when you want to say it right then. Yeah. Right. And, and, and when you disagree with one of them, depending on the kind of disagreement, I mean, you're really looking at the approval criteria. So if you think that there is an approval criteria that was not met by an application and staff says it was met, then by saying, I disagree with this finding, I don't think that that was met. What you're saying is you're you're going to vote against it because you don't think that that criteria is met. If that makes sense. Okay. Thank you. Because all, all it takes is is one criteria for an application not to happen. So, for example, we had a case a couple months ago, maybe, where um, you know Gene said, "I disagree with a couple findings, uh, but." I think that this is the one that's probably the one that is the least met. And I, I can't remember what the case was at this point. It doesn't really matter. Um, and, but he chose the one that he thought was the one that was less supported and say, I disagree with this finding. I don't think that this has been met. And then that got three votes. And so therefore uh, that invalidates and the, uh, the approval was not, or it was not approved. It was denied. Because all the criteria have to be met and they, so you gotta have three votes for all of them. Although generally it is just one, perhaps two that are that are at issue in that particular application. And, and that's not to say that in your discussion, you can bring up all of the concerns that you have mm -hmm. and you yeah. should bring up all the concerns yeah. you have because you know some may ring true to, to three, some may not ring true to three and it's gotta be three to, to make them pass the motion or not. So, or, or to change the finding or not. So that's where, you know, you want to make sure that you talk about all of the things that you don't think are met and see if there's any common ground and enough people agree with you or not. And again, Kirk and I will, will help you um, get there uh, as, our, as we understand what your concern is and what you're trying to do. Yep. 
and that's what we we've tried to do that in the past. So we, we will continue to do that. But the, the helpful thing is I know that if you, you know, as you're reviewing the staff report, if you have concerns, just kind of make notes in the margin and pay attention to what that criteria was that you have the biggest concerns with. Well, it's not necessarily the finding that you disagree with, but the find it would be the overarching criteria. So in this example, the overarching criteria is, you know, it is going to be detrimental to neighboring properties. And so I want to replace one finding with another. So So that would be the find addressing the findings of fact. Now there's also adding or removing conditions. And this is this is fairly common. Yeah. And this is, you know, like we said, when you have concerns, you know, discussing them uh, during the after the hearing is closed and you're discussing with the board members, you know, you talk about things that you think might make it okay or things that you don't think make it okay. Uh, and this is really where you start to, to decide if the conditions that staff have recommended are good, if you think that there are some that are missing, uh, if you want to remove some that staff have incorporated because you don't think that it's needed given an application. Uh, all of those are on the table. So sort of in, in the same vein of the last one, you know, when you when you're motioning for approval, you would add on you know, with the following conditions, enhanced buffering shall be provided between the proposed use and the neighboring residential property. Or, or that's also where you would say, you know, I vote to approve it with no conditions if staff had a condition and you didn't think it was needed. And that, that's really where those come in. And so another question that we had is, you know, how much control can the board expect to exert on private property? How does that interact with, with you know, traffic flow on private drives, for example. And, and really the bottom line is if it's required to be approved by special exception, then you're looking at the given approval criteria, both general and specific, and you want to make sure that those are met. So if, for example, health and safety is an issue and it's required by, by the code, then it's fair game to say, I don't think that this is a safe use. I want to either somehow require extra delineation. I want to do things that would address those as a condition, or you can recommend denial because you don't think that it would meet it even with conditions. So the, the main thing is it has to be tied to the special exception. You can't say they're doing an addition, but I want parking on the other side of the property to, to look nicer. So I want you to do that. It has to be tied to, to what's being requested. And it has to be tied to the special approval criteria uh, that is used for that request. So the general criteria or the specific criteria. And if you do have questions about, you know, is this, is this, is this biting off more than we may be able to do? You know, we can try to help you navigate some of that. Um, that's more Sue's territory probably, but really it has to be proportional to the impact and it's got to be related to the special exception being requested. Those are kind of the two primary tests that are used. Can you ask questions of you or Sue before the meeting if you have, if you don't understand something? Yes, or but do we you won't answer them. <laughs> um, 
We will answer them to the whole group. If you have a question, the, the question and the answer will be to everybody. So the applicant knows that, the people opposed okay. know it, and your fellow uh, commissioners know it, board members know it. Okay. And usually, I think, Sue, correct me if I'm wrong, but yeah. we do that by including it just in the application yeah. packet with everything yeah. else. Sure. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay, thank you. But basically, as long as it's part of the public record, that, that's what we want. And so <laughs> if you want something in advance, you can do that. But otherwise, usually it's just easier to wait until the until the hearing and then you can do it in the hearing and it's not included in the packet or anything so unless you know if you don't think that it's something that kirk or i can answer off the top of our head that we're gonna have to dig up a little bit then sure give us a heads up and we can gather that information yeah. but then it would be announced at the meeting that this question had been asked and you had done some research on it and and this is what you had found right Yes, it, it's this. It's pretty similar to if I received, you know, a public comment letter mm -hmm. after the packet is already mailed out, but it's before the public hearing. It would be the same process. Right? Yeah, a member of the public might email and have bring up some issue, and you thought, "Huh, never thought about that. We better we better get some information uh, out on that issue." I have a question. When we're talking about the findings of facts and we're going to uh, essentially accept the findings, uh, uh, except for the findings that uh, blah, 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 prison the one that was similar to ours a couple months ago, if they just say because the proceeds will not, will, will be detrimental to neighboring properties, do you have to say anything beyond that? Or like, do you have to say why it's going to be detrimental? Or can you just stop right there and kind of say, because I believe it will be detrimental? Period. I think usually you want to provide the Something. reasons for the decision yeah. just, just because when a court would review whatever you say, they're going to look for your rationale in it. They will look in the discussion for it, but it, it's helpful if you include it in the finding. Okay. And that brings us what to do, what not to do. I'm going to kind of skip through this stuff because we've already kind of been discussing it. I think the, the main things that I've kind of maybe I've talked about is avoid conflicts of interest. So if you do receive, you know, a message saying, hey, I'd really love to chat with you before this meeting, <laughs> let us know so we can you know, <laughs> warn people, for example. Um, and then during the public hearing, usually it is the chair who guides the hearing. So if things are kind of getting off track in terms of they're not really addressing the approval criteria, they don't like an aspect of it, but it's not the aspect that has anything to do with special exception. You know, it's definitely the chair's prerogative to say, hey, can you please limit your comments to the specific issue at hand? Or, you know, hey, can you make sure that it's only new information being presented? Because, you know, the public hearing isn't, it's not the same as a public hearing at city council where the volume is, is part of the, part of the hearing. In this case, you're looking at the information and making those findings yourself. Um, and what not to do, I think for the most part, we've covered this. Um, but again, using personal opinions, 
about something that doesn't relate to the criteria, that's that's kind of the big no-no. And then just trying to make sure that you're saving your discussion for after the hearing is closed and prior to the hearing, you're only looking for that additional information. Um, so that, that those are really the big ones. And then also don't make decisions based off the standard itself. So if you don't like a standard, it doesn't matter it's the city code you have to use the code you have to use the standards that are in the code uh if you don't like a standard that's something that you know the board could make a recommendation to council i don't think it's commonly done um but that's really council's prerogative to, to decide what those standards are that brings us to sample cases and we do have a couple i don't know if there's any that you want to cover because i mean we don't want to labor the points, but I think Sue, if you want to kind of breeze over these, why they're important, how we how we see these as fitting into the broader picture, I think that. Sure. Uh, every once in a while there is an appeal of a decision. Uh, we haven't had one now in a couple years, but oftentimes we'll have a couple in, in one year. And so uh, last year when Kirk and I were preparing this, I looked for just a couple of cases that I thought would be a little um, interesting. Um, and they had to do with Iowa City, a couple of them did. And uh, this had to do with a uh, special exception to grant uh, a concrete manufacturing plant in an industrial zone. The board approved it and one of the neighbors appealed. And the standard that we've all been talking about, there's usually one, and the standard that was problematic here was uh, the argument that it did injure, uh, it was injurious to the use and enjoyment of nearby properties. And it did impact property values in the neighborhood. And what the Iowa Court of Appeals said is, well, you're, you as the board are, are allowed to rely on your common sense inferences. You don't have to be an expert. You can bring your day-to-day -day experiences to the, to the table. And also what's always important to keep in mind is that the, the courts are not going to sit in judgment. They're, they're not going, well, what would I have decided? They're, they're looking to see whether you could have made the decision you did based on the evidence. So based on the information that you were presented at the public hearing, could you have reached that decision? I may not have reached that decision, but could you have reached that decision? And as long as you can, the, the judges were gonna to defer to what happened um, before the board. So I thought that was a good example of both those two important things that you can rely on your common sense and what they're gonna do is, is not substitute their own decision, but to see what decision you made and how you got there. And if they find that to be acceptable or reasonable, even if it might not be in their decision, then they're gonna affirm what you did. They're not gonna reverse it. They're gonna give a lot of deference to a board consisting of members of the community volunteering their time. And, and that's also where the findings of fact are important because that's where you lay out your rationale for how you came to the decision. And basically, as long as you're doing that and it makes sense, you know, they'll often defer. Here was another one. This was uh, the appeal by uh, neighbors to the shelter house uh, that's now probably, what, 15 years old. Um, but when it was um, built and uh, they needed to, a special exception to construct transient housing in a commercial district, the board approved it. And uh, needless to say, there was a, a lot of folks in disagreement, including some businesses and some neighbors. And they said it's going to impair property value. And again, the, the Iowa Supreme Court said, no, there was substantial evidence to support the board's decision. There was enough evidence brought before the board during the public hearing 
that it would not impact uh, the valuation of property. Again, could you have maybe reached a different opinion? Yes, but there was enough there uh, for the board to have reached that decision that there was not going to be an impact uh, on property values. And the quote then from the court is, although there's evidence to the contrary, the reasonableness of the board's decision is open to a fair difference of opinion and therefore it's affirmed. Again, deferring, giving deference to the board as long as they can see what happened down below and, and, and followed how you reached your decision, um, then it was fine with the court. They understand that people can disagree. That happens all the time. As long as there's enough evidence there uh, to support what you decided, then, then you're good to go. Um, this is an important one and one that Kirk's touched on, and that's ex parte. And that just means discussion um, with people not at the hearing. So discussions with each other before the hearing, discussions with Kirk before the hearing, with me, with a member of the public, anybody. And in this case, um, it had to do with a private sewage treatment plant. I'm not sure where, maybe in Des Moines, I can't remember. Um, but the question was, is there were parties interested and they had communicated with the board before the public hearing. And the Court of Appeals said, again, that in performance of this adjudicatory function, the court system that, uh, the analogy that, that Kirk uses with the jury, the parties whose rights are involved are entitled to fairness and impartiality and independence. Now the procedures and the evidence are less rigid uh, than the courts. There can be no difference in our concept between the two tribunals and these fundamental requirements. And they went on to say that ex parte communication between members of county boards of adjustment applies to city boards of adjustment too, who are exercising their adjudicatory function should not occur. So that's why you can drive by and have a look at the site, but that's it. No talking to anybody about anything. It all happens at the public hearing. No, anything more? That one's any different, Kirk. That's a variance. We'll skip that one. Let's skip that one. Yeah. Yep. It's basically the state test. That's really yep. hard to pass for a variance. <laughs> so that's really kind of the presentation that we have. The next morning or next meeting is uh, July 14th. Do we have any questions about any of these things? Nancy, were we able to touch upon all of the questions that you had for it? Yes, thank you. And I've been reading these things over and over again, and which really sort of helps, you know, if you sort of, it's eventually it starts to sort of sink in. But I really appreciate your help. And Mark, do you have any other questions? I know that you had some concerns after maybe a meeting ago or two meetings ago about how you should express concerns that you have or things like that. Uh, no, again, um, I'm, I'm, I'll be finding my way just like uh, Carlton. Um, and, and the more, um, you know, just the more exposure I get to the protocols and the issues, it's just going to become easier. Um, um, this was very helpful tonight. Um, um, I, think, uh, I think that the issue of uh, the, the decision-making process is, is uh, you know, is complex and um, 
that's where that's where um, you know I want to make sure I don't make any mistake. And so, you know, what evidence comes to us and what we're allowed to consider, et cetera. That that's all. I'm sure that just becomes you know that we, we get that by experience more than anything else, I guess. So. Just keep those standards in mind and, and that the applicant for the special exception has to meet those standards. They're, they have the responsibility to meet them. It's their burden. If you feel that they don't meet one of them, that's your call. That's your decision. But just with the standards based on the evidence that was presented to you. And that's also where, you know, even within the board, there might be differences in how you're interpreting mm -hmm. a standard and how it applies. And so that's where discussion comes in and saying, well, I don't think it's meet. I don't think it's met because it doesn't tie into these other things. And some board members may disagree with you and that that's okay. As long as it's, you know, really you're, really you're trying to figure out, does the majority of the board agree or disagree with a, that a certain standard was met and that's how you're coming to that decision. Just out of curiosity, if, if we have an applicant for a, for a special exception, um, and we, you know, we we approve it uh, with this condition. Um, um, that gives them an opening to come back uh, and reapply, or uh, how does that work? Um, I mean, do they? What happens after that? I don't quite understand. It, usually, it would mean that for them to get other city approvals, they would need to meet whatever the condition is. So often you'll notice in my conditions, I like to add in triggers about when something needs to be done by. So prior to building permit approval, for example, those would be the triggers where we would check it. Otherwise we just have to check it throughout the process and figure it out. Um, but they, they could theoretically come back. I mean, they'll tell you usually whether or not they agree with a condition that staff has or not. Um, usually staff is, if there's staff will let them know in advance what conditions staff will propose and then it, it's up to the applicant to say hey this is a deal breaker this is why i don't think it's met and you know that information is usually included in your agenda packet if there's something that goes into you know why a standard was or was not met um, but they'll just have to meet the standard or they wouldn't be able to move forward but so they can't become... come back and get it and make the same application. I mean, that was their opportunity. They had all the opportunity in the world to make their case to you. You place that condition, that's the end of it. That's now, nice. if it substantially changes, then it's a new application. I but see. if it's just the same thing the next month, no, that car is gone or that horse or that train or whatever that is, is gone. So then at that point, uh, if, if we put a condition on it, that, that condition becomes... Um, uh, is that condition goes back to city staff and they apply that to, to all of their interactions with this party then is that it i mean correct and it's recorded and so, so should they sell the property the buyer will know what that condition is i see and yeah. we have had or we've kind of had cases where you know we'll look back at our old special exceptions to make sure that conditions are still met. so in some cases Let's say there's landscaping that was required and landscaping has since died. It's been 30 years since since it was approved. You know, one of staff's new conditions is probably going to be, hey, you have to replace this landscaping because you have to meet this condition for your, for your special exception. Hmm. 
operate off of a cheat sheet, as you probably imagine. Are we definitely, or at least for the foreseeable future, are we moving the minutes to pretty much the second to last item on the agenda? Yes. Okay, I'm gonna cut and paste that. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, no, that's okay. It was always like the third item that I had. I'm always like, wait, skip that because the agenda says this. And so, yeah. I didn't know if that was just like a COVID a, a thing or that was like something we're going to start doing for all the time. So, no, since I usually put together okay. the agenda, uh, I like it at the end. So that's where I put it. <laughs> <laughs> Works for me. But that's really what we had for you just to kind of go over those topics and, and those questions that we had. So, there are no more questions. Uh, you can feel free to move on, Amy. Once you're Perfect. done, All adjust right. the uh, Nancy, anybody questions or? No, I'd like to thank them both. I'd like to thank uh, Sue for the memorandum that she wrote last year, which was mimeographed off this year again. Uh, I found some of the information in there very helpful and I really have appreciated it appreciative of it. So thank you very much, Sue. I'm going to go ahead then and uh, uh, go to item number four on the agenda consideration of the meeting minutes from June 9th, 2021. So that was just our meeting earlier this month. We have a motion to approve the minutes by anybody who attended, which I think was all three of us. I make a motion to approve the minutes. I'll second it. Great. All right. All those. And well, can we need to do a favor, or I guess just I. Or... I. All those. Yeah, it's all those in favor. Yeah. Right. Yeah. All those opposed. All right. So last but not least is adjournment. So. Prior to adjournment, just to give you a heads up of where things are with public meetings and online meetings, I know that we had a bit of confusion coming into this one. Um, the, the official end of online meetings is going to be July 25th. That, that is what we're anticipating to be the end of the governor's emergency proclamation. She has said, do not expect it to be renewed. We weren't sure with this last one that ended June 25th. Um, so that's why there's been confusion for this one. Uh, but so July 14th, we will do online unless there is some reason that you think that we should do it in person. Otherwise, we'll do July 14th online and starting August 8th, I believe, we'll be back to in-person meetings and that will be in Emma Harvett Hall again, if you're comfortable with that location. I know where it's at. <laughs> and I think there should be enough, I think that there's enough room for you to space out up there just because you're only a five person board. So it's a little less tight than like council's moving to the senior center for a little bit, but I think Emma Harvard Hall is fine for for us as the board of adjustment. So that's that's what we're preparing for. Uh, but we will continue to record meetings, and those recordings will again the the visual recordings will be posted to the city website. So just to keep that on the top of your mind as well, even once we're back to in person. What did, uh, did you touch on this already? What happens to Bryce in this scenario? He had said he wouldn't be able to attend for a bit. Uh, I need to talk to him again at some point to figure it out. But I think he's coming back to the, the states around the end of that time frame, July, end of July. I need to, to double check that, but that's what I think is going to happen. Otherwise, we will probably just 
if it's one meeting, we can give them an excused absence. If it's going to be much more than that, you know, we'll have to have a discussion since it takes some time to find a replacement member. Um, but I'm thinking he'll be able to start attending. So I have a question. Are all meetings always recorded? They will be, yes. Have they been in the past? They have been. We have audio recordings, but we have not done visual recordings until I think starting with that last meeting that we had is when we started posting recorded meetings. And that's at the direction of council and that right. will be that way moving forward. All, all boards and commissions, Nancy, have been, council has directed that to happen. Okay. And there won't be, we've been told that there won't be hybrid capabilities. So applicants will be expected to come in if they want to speak. Um, and that's, that's how it'll be. If Bryce can't attend, we might see if we can figure out hybrid stuff, but I think it's a pretty hard, it's not going to be hybrid. So thanks, that's it for me. Thank you. Happy 4th of July to everybody. Uh, someone want to make a motion to adjourn? I'll make a motion. I second it. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Nancy. This meeting is adjourned. Thank you, everybody. Happy 4th. Thank Thanks. you. Happy 4th. Have a good one. Thank you.